I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Do you know where the afters is? All over Sean's leg. I know, yeah. Yeah, just go hit record. Let's go. Are we? Are we in? Are we yeah. rolling? Who's starting? Who's starting? Yeah, I just on the wide. Oh yeah, wide, fine. Yeah, yeah, Right. Well, Waf, welcome to the welcome. office. Hey, good to see you there again, you man. Yeah, man. <laughs> We've seen you in ages. Well, obviously we know who you are, but really. I think, well, maybe after this, maybe we'll find out more. <laughs> yeah. Um, but for people who, at home who don't know, who the fuck are you? I'm just a Jack Black lookalike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess I'm WAF. I'm originally from Blackpool. I was born in Blackpool. I thought you were from Hull for some reason. Uh, no, so I got kidnapped by my mum when I was like uh, fucking, it's what, well, I was like 11, yeah. I basically, I was just, I never went to school. My parents divorced. I basically ran away. To, well, before I get to that point, my parents divorced. My dad moved to, no, my dad stayed in Blackpool. My mum moved away to Yorkshire with now my stepdad. Mm-hmm. And uh, my dad moved into the center of Blackpool and became a landlord of like one of the most roughest clubs, bars there, like pub. And um, when I moved there with him, I just ended up becoming friends with like the worst people. We're only like young kids were like 10, 11 years old. Yeah, I thought yeah. younger actually when I first moved there with my dad. And uh, I just got into a really bad crowd. Like we used to fight. I mean, I'm not a fighter at all. I'm softy. You're not. You look fucking I know solid, I'm fucking mate. Solid, mate. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, but yeah, so like we just, I was just never went to school. Uh, I was just never, I was just so bad behaved. And then I ended up running away to um, Moss Side, to Manchester, with just a black family. It was just me. I was only the white. I was just a white kid, just in this like crazy place in Manchester. I didn't know any of this. Yeah, no. I just ran away and uh, I actually lost my virginity to when I was eleven. So yeah, wow. it nice. looks like Carl Cox. So I basically, <laughs> yeah, had sex well, with Carl Cox when I was eleven. So hell. fucking great. Awesome. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I, I ran away and I was just co- I was getting in trouble with the police all the time. I was just constantly like just a little shit. And I think my dad he, he couldn't control me, so he arranged this basically. It was like a arranged kidnapping. To me, I was getting kidnapped by my mum. So when I came home from Manchester, I was 
was there for like a week. I called my mom and I was crying. I was so young. I was like 10, 11. Mm. And I was just like, in, I was hanging out with this gang in Moss Side. It was so rough and scary. And I was like, what am I actually doing? Like, I need to go home. I called my mom. And she was like, where have you been? Like, we're so worried about you. Like, they had no idea where their child's gone for like yeah. a week. Um, I came home and she said, right, when you come back, we're taking you to Yorkshire. And I was like, there's no way that I'm that that's going to happen because I was a little shit I was just mouthing off and I came home and my mum and my dad and my stepdad were waiting for me in my dad's pub and they just grabbed hold of me put me in like a restraining hold and picked me up all three of them and threw my stepdad threw me in the back of my mum's car and just pinned me down and they just drove me to Yorkshire well how old were you when this oh, happened 11 fuck yeah, I thought I was 13. Wow. My mum said I was like 11. Anyway, so when she drove me there, uh, she'd already... My mum's amazing and now we're like best friends mm. because of all this. As I grew up, became, you know, just the person that I really am. I've always been a nice person. I kind of just, when I was younger, you just get mixed in with certain yeah, crowds. Yeah, so yeah. It made me just come this little shit. <laughs> and um, I'd never think that, knowing who you no, are I know, now. Yeah, you'd yeah, never yeah, think yeah, you were yeah, a yeah, little, little twat. Right, I used to fight on every night. I used to go Honestly. out. We used to go outside nightclubs for fights to happen and just we'd just jump in. Fuck off. Yeah, really? Because we was in a gang. Uh, just, wow. And we were, we were just young kids, but because yeah, yeah, yeah. there were so many of us and there was also a fight happening, we just used to get a buzz off it because we were younger. It's just, I don't even know how because I'm the opposite to that. Yeah, like, yeah, I completely. hate any violence. Apart from UFC, I absolutely yeah. fucking love have you, that. Have you, been, have you been back there since? I went back once and all my mates battered me, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that kind of made me go, actually, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> um, but yeah, so my mum just started a whole new world for me. I had schools, I had friends at my mum's doorstep for when I arrived. She just wanted me to really just get to know some good people. And mum lives in a really nice village called Beeford in like East Yorkshire, which is like near York or Beverly or whatever. Mm. And... Um, yeah, I just I started a whole new life there, and I was like at school. I was getting suspended from school all the time. I think about eleven times I got suspended. I used to be so bad, mate. I that stole my mum's car. Uh, me and all my friends played a drinking game and spiked my mum and got her so drunk that we carried her to bed. Yeah, this is how bad I was. Like, Fuck yeah, we didn't me, spike man. her. Like, we played a drinking game. We emptied one bottle of vodka and filled it with water. So that if we lost this drinking game, we drink water. Yeah, and yeah. had another bottle of vodka uh. where if my mum lost, we'd give her vodka. Oh. So she, my mum was su is such a fun person. She would just always join in yeah, if we're yeah, having yeah. drinking games. And my mum was really good friends with all my friends. And uh, we just got her so smashed and got her to bed. And then we ju just stole the car. How old were you when that happened? Like, hmm. 13 maybe 14. fucking hell man yeah I was just a little shit crashed it into a farm set fire to the car it burnt the farm down and everything like a proper wow. little shit yeah I was so bad so that was kind of like my upbringing just this little shit but then I just became you know a good person over time uh, and yeah that's kind of how things started for me which is pretty mental and then after a while after I left school uh, became an actual good person finally. So, what, but from, <clears throat> from that, from this, obviously, the th that was thirteen when you stole your mum's car. Yeah. What, what, <laughs> so, so based on that, um, what point did you actually get into like making music and producing? So, what, what, what age were you when you kind of started even messing around with tunes or DJing or what? What's that journey look like for you then? So yeah, so I moved to Hull um, and I went to perform an arts college because yeah. I used to be a trained dancer and actor, but I used to get paid to dance. That's what I used to do before music. Uh, I used to be on a dance agency because I was really good. At street dancing but i did ballet tap contemporary just all that all the type of different styles of dancing i actually spent years training in it and acting was always my main thing i always wanted to do it still is i really want to go back into acting um, but then all of a sudden my dance teacher took us all out to our first house night i was into like r&b and actually i was into r&b and then i went into like indie and stuff and then my dance teacher took us to a house night to see joe negro in hull mm -hmm. and uh 
yeah, I, I think that was the first time I tried Exi tablet and um, it just blew my mind. I was just like, what the fuck have I been doing all my life? This is what I need yeah, to be yeah. doing. So I basically quit everything. I quit all my dance agencies and everything to focus on music, but I didn't have a plan to become a DJ. It was just, I wanted to make music like the music that I would now like blow my mind, which is all like the funky house, head candy stuff at the time. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, Electro, yeah. you remember like yeah. Electro, like funk, yeah. uh, not yeah. Funk Devoid, it was uh, Put Your Hands Up For Detroit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fed Legrand was it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. it was. Yeah, yeah that. Classic. It was all that sort of music, head candy, and then it went into Electro, and I was yeah. like, oh, I love this. So I just sat at home in my student house. Everyone had moved out because I was just having parties all the time, and they were just like normal people, and I was just an idiot. <laughs> and uh, just started making music. Just, I think I originally just it was Fruit Loops that I downloaded, yeah. And uh, I just started messing about, and I oh shit, my phone. <laughs> um, yeah, I just started messing around and just became addicted to it, like as you probably might have done when you first started. It's just addicting. You just like I, you're making your own music, and it was obviously shit back then because I didn't really know what I was doing. But because you're making it. You're just like, wow, as if I was showing all my friends my music, they were probably just humoring me, saying, yeah, it's good, but it wasn't at all. But it just, yeah, it just became a, a real obsession. And then um, over time, I started to realize, actually, I want to play this out. So I started getting a few gigs in that around Hull. And yeah, it kind of went from there. And I just made music from that point for years. I don't know what year we met each other, but... I'd... So um, it was probably like 2000. So it was when... I was going to talk about this, actually. It was basically around the time that you released Joe Johnson. Because I remember you headlined Jaunt in Newcastle, yeah. and that was a big thing. Like that was a big deal. Have you in Newcastle? Um, so I, when was George Johnson released? Two thousand twelve. Two thousand eleven. Twelve, I think it might have been. 12. Yeah, it was like uh, th that's yeah, eleven years ago, mate. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So that was when we when we met. Yeah. So, so before that point, I've been making music for years, for years and years since ah, I was sixteen. Right. Okay. And I had so much music, but I just never sent them out, and I was always waiting for that one moment, which I felt. I mean, I always loved my music, but I could see the progression and my you know my skills were getting better with production. That I just waited for the right time, and I think when I made Joe Johnson I was like do you know what this is actually a bomb and all my friends loved it and whenever I was playing it out in whatever gigs I was getting back then it was just always that tune I was like do you know what this feels like this is going to actually be a good track to oh so you actually out. felt you actually yeah. felt yeah, that yeah, yeah. yeah I mean I loved all my music at the time but that was one that really stood out I was like okay and everyone's reaction to that was like this is the tune mm. uh, I used to play it to all the jaunt lads at after parties and it was like our sort of party tune yeah, for yeah. all, all of our friend groups yeah, yeah. so uh, I met Richie Ahmed at Villa Party in Ibiza and me and my friends brought some decks over to his villa because they didn't have any and you know that's how I got to know him so he was like my only contact to the music scene really was Richie Ahmed right okay um what what about you what about your first gig do you remember that like the first time you ever played first that? proper gig as as WAF was at John before the Martinez brothers yeah. in Newcastle yeah, it was. Uh, Cosmic Ballroom I've got a funny story about that so that's actually when we met and you, you probably won't remember this but I was trying to be a ticket seller for this party called John. Yeah, I know John. Yeah, yeah, yeah for Chris yeah. Blackhall yeah, and all yeah, those boys, mutual yeah, friends yeah, of all, yeah. all of yeah. ours. And I was trying to sell tickets because, you know, when you start the DJ, I wasn't actually producing at that time, but I knew I wanted to be, you know, when you like you do your first pill and you're like, you're, you're in that zone where you're like, this is what I want to do. Like, I want to be around this. I want to be around these people. It's almost like a very strong community vibe. Yeah. You see, I saw the John crew and I was like, I fucking want to be one of them because yeah. like you had Rankin and Vance and all these guys who were so tight and you just like, you look at it from an outside perspective and go that's a that's a family right it was mm. a family so I was selling tickets for WAF and my Martinez brothers at John <laughs> did you actually sell I did well? and then then anyway so we went back to an after party the afters we went back to the afters it was a uh, 
I can't remember whose house, some fucking shithole in Heaton. And um, he walked upstairs with Blackhall. They all think we're just going to catch up because obviously when Wafford played, everyone was trying to speak to Wafford, got back to the, the afters and he probably just wanted a minute. And I like followed them upstairs into this room and they were talking, you and Blackhall were talking for a little bit and then Blackhall got a, a call, so he left. And it was just you and me on in this room and you were on the other side of the bed and I was on the other side of the bed. <laughs> and then I just like turned around and I was like, yeah, mate, I fucking really love Joe Johnson. Like, you're, you're, I love your tunes. Like, I really like my tunes like you. Like, your, your production's awesome. Like, you said tonight was fucking mint. And I think you just turned around. I remember it vividly. You just turned around. You were like, cheers, mate. Yeah. And then just walked out. Did I? Did I actually? <laughs> no, but you weren't, you weren't being rude. It was just awkward because I kind of followed you in this room. Black hole and gone. And First fanboy. Yeah, and it was quiet. There was not even any music in that room. Oh, right. I can't remember you're, this. No, you're really nice. You're really, really nice. But it was just like, that was the first time we've met. Oh, really? Yeah, I was selling tickets for your party. God, my uh, my memory of that exact time is just so vague. Because I met all the joint guys in a, in a beefer. Okay. They had that house. I don't know if you ever went to it. Uh, that was 2011, I believe. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. And we had this big house. It was all the jaunt lot living there. And then I met them all. And then we started playing jaunt at Savannah's. And it was Savannah's just like, parties, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it was just like, like you said, it was like a proper family with them. It was. And it was just such a good... I just loved them all. I still do. Like, still yeah, really good great. friends. But um, yeah, that introduced me to them and then played played at uh, jaunt. That was pretty much my first ever gig was playing before Martinez Brothers. Mm -hmm. And then I would say after that, my next... Because I released Joe Johnson and I went from literally having no job, no income at all, living on Salty, who's one of our friends. On a couch. Living yeah, on his yeah. couch, yeah. Um, just making music all the time. And then I gave Joe Johnson to Richie Ahmed and then he passed it to Jamie Jones and told me that Jamie really liked it. So at the time I had a choice between signing it to Left Room for Matt Tolfrey or to Jamie Jones. Mm -hmm. And I think Left Room wanted to do it on just digital, but I knew Hot Creations did vinyl. And it was like my first release, I really wanted vinyl. So that kind of swayed me into Hot Creations. At the time I wasn't like into Hot Creations because they were doing more like, dis not disco, but more like droney, Baseline. Like, Remember that like art department, like with or without yeah, you? Yeah, 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 yeah. Deep, deep house. Yeah, 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 like yeah, house. yeah. And I was, yeah, yeah. I was into yeah, like yeah. proper big room role in tech house. Yeah. So it wasn't the thing that I was aiming for. But I knew Jamie was huge, and I was a fan of his. And then I was like, do you know what? Maybe that's a better option. And then literally, I went to D, uh, DC Ten with all the joint lot. We all got a villa. And this was the first thing that made me realize, oh shit, like something's actually happening. I was there for that. Was you there as well? You were played. You, I'm sure. You Not played when I played. You, yeah. Not that time. No, 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 no. I, I, it was 2012. Yeah, With but Toddy and everyone when I, was there. When we went to DC 10 and the, uh, Jamie played Joe Johnson and I was in the crowd and that was the first time. Oh, no, maybe another Yeah, time. but yeah, so the next, the next, 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 next yeah, part yeah, is when yeah, I was yeah. playing there. But um, yeah, I just went into the crowd with all my mates and you know what DC 10 is like? It's just, you're so packed mm. and you're trying to get through the crowd. It takes ages to find a little spot on the terrace, but you have to like squeeze for everyone. And as we're going through, I could just hear this tune sort of building in with all these like percussion, percussion drums. And even though it sounded familiar, I just wasn't paying attention because we were just trying to figure out like where we're going to fucking stand. Um, and then as soon as we got to like this spot, everyone sort of turned to me and went, it's Joe Johnson. I went, oh, nah, it's not because how the <laughs> fuck would it be? No one's got it. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. and suddenly it just dropped and I've actually got a video of it and it's just all of us in one circle and I'm in the middle and Joe Johnson just drops and the whole club just goes absolute ape shit. And I was like, no fucking way. I'm getting shit. I'm actually getting yeah. shit. Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, and that feeling is insane when yeah. you're actually, for the first, one of the first times you hear it out and you're like, yeah, but, but especially not that. Just hearing you tune out, it's meant to get in a video. But being in one of the best clubs yeah, in the yeah, world yeah, with yeah. all your mates around, Mate, you, it was like what was them, that like? It well, it was one. It was amazing, but 
because it was so unexpected. Mm. I didn't think Jamie, I knew Jamie liked because Richie told me, but it probably just went over my head and I didn't think much more of it. Yeah. Uh, so when he played it, I just genuinely didn't think it was my tune, even though I could hear it at first coming in, you know, all the yeah. random percussions. The, like the snares uh, and the Yeah, all that shots. shit going on. I was like, yeah, it does sound like it, but I was like, nah, it can't be. And then it just dropped and I was like, no fucking way. So at first it, it kind of was a shock, but then when I got home after the after DC 10, I remember I had a moment, went to the toilet and it was just me just on my own away from everyone. Mm. And it all that's when it kind of hit me. I was like, no, I actually got really emotional. I didn't cry or anything, oh. but it was just like, oh my God, I've actually, it was like, you finally made it almost at yeah, that point yeah, yeah, in, yeah, yeah. in my mind. And that's kind of when it affected me. It was just a surreal moment, but having all your friends there, mm. every single one of my best mates were there at that time. So it was one of them crazy situations. And then pretty much straight after that was the one you're probably talking about well, where I, I played at DC 10. And did you not, this is one I remember. It was very early. It was, it was George Johnson and I was at Cocoon. I was at Amnesia. Right. Did you not play Amnesia? I didn't play it for years, no. Did you not? No. Well, we were maybe then at Amnesia, and we were right near this box. We were with, we were with Blackhall and Toddy and Adam Fairless, and everyone was there. And we heard Joe Johnson come on, and we watched Sven just... Vath playing it probably. Sven Vath? He, yeah, because he had it. He was playing it all over. So it was Sven Vath. It was Cocoon. I remember being there with all of them. It was 2012 when they had that other villa, and we were there, and he, and he played it, and we were just all looking at each other. And I didn't even know you that well, but I knew, obviously, you were part of the family, right? And everyone was just... Seeing so all those people so happy for their friend mm. was just such a special moment, and I didn't even know who he like. I didn't know him very well, but I knew all those guys, and they were just all buzzing, high five, and cuddling like this is fucking oh, awesome. Yeah, I didn't even know that story. Yeah, That's nice. yeah, it was awesome. But just, I know we talked about George Johnson for like fifteen minutes. Yeah, but, um, but what? Yeah, but what huge. a significant part of your career that was, though. You know. Well, yeah, yeah because massive. like my actual first ever gig outside of like things like John or when um, it's my friend's party was actually playing before Green Velvet and Jamie Jones at DC 10. So Sick, fucking, yeah. Really, yeah. And uh, that was the maddest. And, and all my friends were there. Was you there for that one then? No, I don't think oh, I was. Right. No, I wasn't there. Um, all my friends were there for that. And that was that was like a really significant moment mm. because not only are you getting like a, a gig and you're getting paid to do it for the first time and traveling the world. Actually, I had to borrow money off Jamie to even get there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I still owe him that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's let me 750 quid to get flights and accommodation and shit. Yeah, yeah. No, well, that um, paid off. That paid off everyone, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, that was, that was like, you know, the, the beginning of all, really, in that moment. Is that, is that when you, did you, did you know then? You know, I was always super confident when I was little. Like now, I've got way less confidence than I used mm -hmm. to have when I was like in my early twenties. I was just like in my head, I just thought, you know, I'm the best, not the best in a cocky way, but you just believe in yourself yeah, so yeah, much. Yeah, like yeah, you absolutely. just believe that you're gonna. I've always had that feeling that I was gonna do well. With I, I, I seem to sort of manage to do what I'm so useless with life in general. Like I'm so unorganized and fucking all over the shop. But I feel like whenever I put some my time into anything creative, it kind of always works. So I was confident, but um. Yeah, I think that moment was just like as if I'm playing DC 10 yeah, before but... Jamie. And and I remember I went up to Jamie afterwards. And I was like, so, so what do you... Because I made all the music for that set. I spent the whole week in the villa. Oh, did you? Yeah, all, yeah the whole set was all brand new music. Maybe one or two or three tracks that were just weren't. But the rest of it is what I made in that. Do you remember the tune Groover that I released? On yeah, I was going to talk about it later on. I yeah, that, Groover I made, and Freaks. They're yeah, yeah. People, I made all it? that... Yeah. Um, just a few nights before to play at oh, DC 10. Sick. So 
that's what I was like back then. And I remember afterwards I went to Jamie and I was like, so what, what, what did you think? And he was like, to be honest, mate, I don't fucking know how to play after this. I don't know what to do. And I was like, oh, shit. Piss off. Is yeah, that what he said? Because I was playing way harder than what they were that, at that time. Of course, because it was uh, the, that deep. Yeah, I was just banging out fucking like, <laughs> just, like rolling just big room it. tech house. And I was just yeah. this new young kid. So they would probably think, I don't know what they thought I was going to play, but I was just playing like, you know, I used to look up to Locadice, yeah, um, yeah. Ricardo Villalobos, Luciano. Mm. Like they were like Marco Cola. They were like my people to go to for like inspiration and sounds. So I just wanted that big room, yeah, rolling yeah. tribal tech house. Yeah, so yeah. when I played before Jamie, he was probably thinking it might have been a bit more of a warm up, which I struggled with. I used to always have so many conversations because they always used to pull me and be like, you can't keep playing that hard early. Cause I oh, so we were quite annoyed by the fact that you weren't warming up properly. Probably, I don't know if he was annoyed, but he had definitely played like a main room closing set first on. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Gotta well, be you, done, I suppose, made, but isn't you made it? an impact, right? So yeah, that, that, that's a tough one. So if you've got an opportunity like that to so think about, you, you're, you've been given this opportunity to play yeah, probably you, one of the best parties in the world with the, some of the best DJs in the world. Right? Yeah, you've, you've got to play all your You've got one shot, do not miss a chance yeah. to blow. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. So let's fucking do this. Or do you respect the warm up slot? And then not really have much of an impact because clearly you made an impact on Jamie. See, this yeah. is right? this is what I've always thought was I've got this one opportunity to really mm. impress people so that I stand out. So I would always go in with that mindset. Yeah. And it did take me a good few years to really start to understand. I was a shit DJ, really. I would bang out just banging tunes, mm. but I wouldn't really know how to like I would just have this one sound, which was banging tech house, big room. It took me a long time. Like now, I can play everything. Yeah, I play yeah. all styles: minimal house, deep house, Slipknot. No, uh, <laughs> but like now, now I feel like I can DJ properly. I can do yeah. what what I need to do for whatever environment it is. I sometimes actually actually love doing warm up sets. I'd rarely do them now, but if you ever get a moment to do it, mm. I enjoy it now. But I never knew how to do that before. And exactly what I what you were saying, I just used to think, right, I'm gonna smash fuck out of it because yeah, that's yeah, yeah. what I want to do. But it yeah. used to backfire in me, to me uh, as in like amongst our crew because they always be like you can't just keep mm -hmm. banging it out like that. And I'd, I'd get it, but I'd also be like, yeah, but like I'm not, my frustration was when I started, I see myself as like probably way bigger than what I was. In my head, it was like, I play big room tech house. I should be playing these big headline yeah. slots. Obviously, I knew I weren't going to do that until a certain point, but I used to have frustration because I was always put on first. Of course you would be, you're the new artist. Yeah, 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 but yeah. back then it was like, I didn't know how to play anything else but that. So I used yeah. to be like, well, I, I don't play deep house. So then don't put me first, but yeah. I would always be first because yeah, I'm going to yeah. put me after Jamie or before Jamie or whatever. And it's, a catch, it's a catch 22 yeah, yeah. situation. Yeah. So yeah. you have to make a decision, right? Yeah. Do you go fucking. And this is the in? thing, I did it. I did it at Cocoon. My very first gig at Cocoon, which was like one of my best shows at that time, it was like a dream come true to play Cocoon. Yeah, yeah, too. Um, and I'd always dreamt of it. I'd always go to Amnesia. It was my favorite club. I'd stand there for the whole night until the morning, look at all the DJs and dream to be in that terrace booth. And I got to play Cocoon. It wasn't on the terrace, unfortunately, but I still was like made up. I was playing Cocoon. I had all my friends there, Toddy and everyone. Yeah. And uh, and I was playing before Adam Bayer, and I had I wasn't the first. I was like the second on two hours before Adam Bayer, but he pulled out at some points. So he he cancelled, so he actually gave me an extra hour. So I had three hours before Joris Vaughan. 
and I just played rolling big room tech house uh, with a little bit. Cause back then, I used to play a little bit of techno as well. Mm. So it was just like a mix of it all. But I was like, I'm playing Cocoon before Adam Bayer. Like, fucking course I can play a bit harder. Yeah, yeah. But the feedback I got from that, everyone came to me and was like, oh my God, like the terrace is dead. Like, this is amazing. Uh, I had all the guys from Cocoon loving it. And I, I actually went to the toilet afterwards. Again, it always happens in the toilet. But I actually <laughs> genuinely nearly <laughs> cried because it was like, yeah. I'd reached this like milestone in my career. I played Cocoon and I did such Massive. a good job. I knew I did such a good job. Everyone, the whole room was packed and I, you could just feel it, which you know, you've done a really yeah, good yeah. show. Yeah. And, um, and then they told me that they, they didn't want to book me again because I played too hard. No way. Yeah. Uh, so you thought that was like I was perfect like, performance. I everyone come in. Everyone loved it. I had even some of the guys from Cocoon come over and tell me like, this is amazing. This room's completely packed. The terrace is actually dead. I don't know who was playing in there at the time, but they were like much bigger artists than me. Mm. And the whole room was packed and it was just one of them moments, you know, you have it quite often in your career, but it was Cocoon and it was like a thing that I could just tick off. So it was an emotional, like special moment for me. Yeah. And I was like, I smashed it. And then thinking, you know, this is going to be me playing for Cocoon. And they actually the, said that they I played, too, I played too hard and I don't think they like that. And I was yeah. like, what the fuck? I was you, like, what? Well, I don't get it. It's yeah, Cocoon yeah. before Adam Bayer and Joris Vaughan plays rolling. But yeah. when I heard Joris Vaughan's music, it was a lot more like lighter, housey rolling stuff. But I can see that maybe I was a bit more tougher than him, but it would have been Adam Bayer, I think, before yeah, him or yeah, something. So... I don't know, but yeah, that's exactly the thing. I just turn up and go, do you know what? I'm going to do my best here. And, and sometimes it's the best thing, but it has backfired sometimes, yeah. So what what would be, you know, to now, you know, with all the experience you have, what would be your advice to maybe the, the not necessarily the, the younger you, because it's got you to where you are now, but, you know, for up-and-coming artists who've got maybe that first big set before maybe yourself now, like, what would be your advice to like, you? Like a warm-up. Like, yeah, so you've got like, a warm-up yeah, yeah, like, oh. so, so this has always been my thought. I always feel like if you're such a big DJ and you're huge, you should be able to come on after anything. Of course yeah, you can't. Yeah, just yeah. If, you can't, if you don't play techno, don't put a banging techno artist before you. Yeah. But like, if I had, a, if I had, say, one of my artists from a label come and play at my nature events, which, which I'm going to be doing yeah. um, down the road, but if they came and they played before me and they absolutely smashed it, I'd be buzzing because I know that I could I could continue after that yeah, yeah, in my yeah. own way. So I've always had a bit of a thing with that where I've always been told, like, like you know, people might find it difficult to come on after me. But I get it now because people have different styles mm. and I have changed mine. But my advice was just fucking do you. <laughs> I'll be honest, I wouldn't want to go on after you no, mate, no, because I've seen how you play it yeah. and you fucking smash it out. Yeah. And we play, like, we could not maybe not now, but we used to play similar music. I would have fucking hated to go on mm. after you because because that energy that you bring. I think yeah, that's the, what it yeah, is. I was going to say, I yeah. think it's But isn't not, that the whole point? I think, You're a headliner yeah. now, Waff. I think that that's what it is. Um, from what I've told, it, it was just like based on the fact that I, I think I get the crowd going too much. Yeah, yeah. That, And I do understand that, you know, like, you know, if I have played... To be fair, I understand it because I've played after DJs that, for example, you might go to a certain part of the world and they might have a real loved artist from that that city or that yeah, town yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and everyone goes absolutely apeshit for them and they play a certain sound of music that I don't play and you come on after them and you notice that maybe they're not as hyperactive because mm. they've just gone apeshit for this person. So yeah. I, I do get it. I do get it. So I understand where they come from. But um, yeah, it's just been one of them things that, you know, you do your thing, you try and impress, and it always ninety nine percent of the time it's worthwhile doing, but sometimes it does kind of like backfire a bit. Gives people off. Speaking about nature, mm. because um, your label, mm. how's how's all that going? Like it's it's actually doing so, so much better than I thought it would. When did you launch it? Uh, two years ago. So I spent the whole time during COVID uh, working on my label. 
I think this kind of like affected my career a little bit slightly because in them two years, everybody was just off, yeah. not doing anything. Yeah, of course. And in that time, I was making music, but I was like saving stuff for my label, but I was also working on my label. So in my mind, I was like, I'm just going to launch my label once COVID ends. But I think in that time, a lot of new artists came about and all this new sick sound that's come out, you know, the house, you know, with another Christosy, Eastend Dubs. Like, Rossi all, stuff. All, yeah, 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 like yeah, these yeah. guys who I fucking look up to. And I love them. I love that sound. Um, but I was kind of just focusing on my nature thing. So it took me two years to sort of make it. And then I've launched Nature, but just quickly going into how it affected my career, I feel like because I spent two years not releasing music, thinking that I'll save it all, it kind of, when all the shows came back in, it was like, almost like the attention has gone now to other places. So mm. it was like one of them things that yeah. now is actually, it was, it was worthwhile putting my time to, but it did affect me a little bit. I was like, shit, maybe I should have <laughs> been putting out music, but I got Nature in the end and it took a long time to make, but um, yeah, we started it just after COVID. What year? I can't even remember what year is anything now. Because <laughs> <laughs> co co COVID's like, it's fucked like... my head yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. It's fucked a lot of people yeah, in terms of time. Because right. yeah. I remember like thinking you, you almost lost a year last year. I was like, what the fuck happened the last 12 yeah, months because yeah. of just being sat around for ages. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. But, um... But yeah, so in so when it came to the um, the lockdown and you not releasing music, so for for me, because it was 2019, 20, I was still touring, and then 2020 came, we went to lockdown, and I didn't have any music lined up, and I did exactly what you did, but didn't save anything and just didn't make anything. I was wasn't in a good place, and I found straight away as soon as things started to go to normal because I wasn't releasing, mm -hmm. and because I wasn't air quotes current still, mm -hmm. or got anything in. In, um, on Beatport or wherever the, the downloads are, people move quickly. Mm. It moves, yeah, 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 music it moves so yeah, quickly, absolutely. like fashion, right? So probably the same as you, if you want releasing music, no one's fucking, everyone's looking at other things. Everyone, whoever's put music out is getting the, the attention. Yeah, of course, and, and that's how it works. And my life's been a constant uh, challenge with everything. I get so many lessons, have to deal with so many different things and aspects of everything. So like, and I understand it and I'm actually grateful for certain things like that because it keeps you motivated. It keep, yeah, gives you yeah, a kick yeah, in the ass. Yeah. It's like, you know, you've got to still go at it yeah. and understand the industry a bit better. You know, you can't just sit about and because I, once I released Joe Johnson and Abifa was my next release, I literally didn't make or didn't release music for like a full year after that because in my head I was like, fuck it, I made it. Yeah. But then after a year I realized that because I was selling out clubs and suddenly you, you wasn't and you're like, what's what's actually happening? It's because you're not actually, you need to feed the market to Absolutely. get something yeah, back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, George Johnson and Abifa were fucking huge and that's probably, I, I don't blame you for having that because yeah. I released some tunes undefected and I was like, 
I had that same feeling. It went massive. I was getting booked all over the place. I was like, I've made it. And then I didn't put anything out for like a year. And then I stopped getting booked. And I was like, oh, why the fuck's that? But it's because you yeah, know, it's you've got you're to just not keep the heat the market, on. Yeah. yeah. And, um, but that's just because I just got so carried away with the parties, the lifestyle, the drugs, everything was just yeah. like, oh my God, I've, I'm hanging out with this person, that person. We're doing these villa parties. I'm in a beefer. It was just like... Obviously. I remember looking at your, like you put, you put your timetable up for the summer. I remember you putting the posts up like, mm -hmm. and just going like, how the fuck is he doing all those shows? <laughs> in yeah. terms of the traveling. Oh, this yeah. is even before I was touring like that, but I never, at my highest point in terms of my career, I never toured like you did. Even yeah. probably now, you're still probably fucking, how many gigs you got a year? Well, how I many mean, shows I'd, you do in a year, roughly? Well, I do like 14 a month, something like that. <laughs> how, how do you recover from them? Like, what, do you have like a route? I see you got the whoop on. We were just talking about. Yeah. Oh, yeah. How's that going? Uh, well, I just use it for, I mean, I use it mainly for my sleep. Yeah, that's okay. what I'm um, Like, yeah. I love going to the gym. I, I mean, I go probably like three, four times a week at the most, and that's yeah. if I can get into a route. I find it, I love going to the gym, yeah. but I'm just not pr as proactive as fucking you guys. You guys are absolutely ripped shreds, especially with the pictures I've seen of you recently. Like, that takes a lot of time and dedication, but I'm not on that side of it. I just enjoy going. So for me, it's not like I don't, I don't use that for workouts. Yeah, just to sleep. That's what, that's what, that's what we were talking about. Just to sleep. sleep, yeah. yeah but but yeah. You, you've got to think as well, Waf, you're doing 14 shows a month. Yeah. You're not doing any show <laughs> well that oh, is that's we, a good we, point i yeah. only really go to the gym when i've got time off which i've yeah. been i've been off now for six weeks because my ears got completely fucked yeah. uh which I, we can talk yeah. about in a, yeah, in a moment yeah, i wanted yeah, to talk about yeah, yeah because yeah yeah go on. There's, there's, there's a lot but anyway yeah. yeah so um recovery is fucking just not even possible really i don't think i personally really struggle with this lifestyle i've always struggled. i've had anxiety since i was 18 um, I've dealt with it, so it doesn't like affect me in my life. I can still do everything, yeah, yeah. but I always suffer from anxiety. I, I have social anxiety, which is mad. Like yeah, being around would... loads of people, like you two sound. I'm always actually. This is the thing. I'm always fine in any situation, but I just feel uncomfortable by putting myself into environments with with many people, even, even if you know them. Uh, no, I mean like... I get a social anxiety with my friends, but not like to a point. It's just like I think. I don't know what it is. I never used to. I mean, I've always had anxiety, so I probably have. But I think what's happened with me is that traveling and playing so fucking much has got me to a point now that I'm so exhausted from everything that like right now I'm in a point and we can go into that uh, at some point. But now I'm at a point where I am the healthiest I've probably ever been. Amazing. Like my drug intake is literally barely even there. I only ever drink. Obviously, I'm having a beer now. It's not even a bit cider, but um, that's probably because I was just anxious coming here and just speaking. Do you know what I mean? It was like, I told you I had a strong coffee anyway. Yeah. So I've probably been sat here going, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, what? <laughs> Is everyone all right? Is it? Or fucking what? Battered on coffee. Yeah. So, um, but like for me, just like uh, I struggle with the lifestyle and that's why I, I don't actually enjoy, enjoy. <laughs> I that's a new word, enjoy. guys. <laughs> I, um, yeah, I don't really enjoy the feeling of being drunk. So, for me, like I can have a drink or two, and then that's kind of my cut off. Unless it's tequila when I'm playing, because you know what it's like—you have a fucking thousand shots when you're playing. <laughs> yeah. You go in, and I'll be like, "Can I have a shot?" And I have one or two shots. Uh, I, they always have to be full to the top, though. Yeah. If they give me <laughs> half, I'm like, just fill it up to the top. I have two, and then I'm good. But then you're playing, and someone taps you on the shoulder. It's the promoter or something, and you have another one. Before you know it, you've had ten. Yeah, yeah. So then at that point, that's when I start to go, "Okay, I need a bump of coke." Whereas yeah. now, that's basically all it is. But before, it was to do with the recovery. I just never recovered because I had so many. Well, I had one addiction, which was to ketamine, uh, which was I've not done it for a year now. Amazing. Completely stopped, yeah, like wicked, stopped. Well done, yeah, it's been about a year, and um, that was my problem. So 
I would go to a club, I'd have a drink because I was anxious. I would have bumper coke because I'd felt too drunk and I, and yeah, I love yeah. playing for hours. So, you know, I play for 10 hours sometimes. The longest set I've done is 50 hours. I did it back to what? back with Yaya in Venezuela. Oh, okay. so 50, 50 hours? 50 hours. <laughs> 25 hours nonstop at yeah. one, one stage. <laughs> Afterwards, from doing that for fucking so long, I had the worst rashes here and then we moved the decks inside and carried on for another 25. So that's Wow. Long. So like doing stuff like that and like I've got a set record and... <laughs> that's, that's a lot. That's a lot you of bumps. Fucking, how can you stop? You've got loads of these Venezuelan cheeks all around the all, how can you fucking stop? Arms red roll. Yeah, I'm just like, fucking, <laughs> all right. Yeah. Fucking carpet burn on your arm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking yeah. okay, no, please let but, me um, stop. Yeah, they don't stop over in South America. It's yeah, nuts. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, so like, you know, it's, you do, I personally feel like I need things to keep me going anyway. Yeah. And I'm not a big drinker. I hate the feeling of being drunk. So I basically... Struggling, I've been struggling for years to deal with the lifestyle. Recovery is almost impossible because uh, you play three, four times a week, yeah, come yeah. home for like a day or two. Yeah. Counting the day home, one day homes, you flying home, traveling back yeah, to your house yeah. and being knackered. And then you might have two days and then you fly again. So two days, when I was younger, I would be probably sound. Now it takes me, if I drink for one night, <laughs> besides not sleeping, besides all the other shit, just drinking, I'll be fucked for about two days. I just feel like shit. Yeah. Traveling's so exhausting as well, just on its own. I think just that's what flying don't, and yeah, just being in an understand. airport yeah, and just yeah, boarding yeah, planes yeah, and in queues and all that yeah, fucking shit. Fucking, it's just raining. Yeah. Uh, so I have actually made efforts in my life over the past few years with my previous agent, my agent now. Not so much my agent now because I really wanted things to just go like as best they could with my agent, get as many gigs yeah, to yeah. see how things went. But I have kind of put in place where now I kind of will say no to a lot of stuff. Mm, I don't just take everything now. Yeah. I just go, hang on a minute, I've been playing so much, I need a, at least a week or two off. Like last year, I took a whole month off, went to Lake Tahoe, flew my best friend out, took a month off, it was just complete detox, didn't do anything, it was just like the best thing for me. Mm. So now I'm like conscious of that because it's important. Yeah. yeah um, so yeah, it's just, I find it really difficult. It's just a crazy life to be a person who struggles with anxiety and social anxiety who's also had problems with drugs, which is, has become great. I'm so grateful for how I've got to this point because there was moments where you're like, fuck, how am I going to stop doing this? How do yeah, I, because yeah. I, would, I would go away and play shows and come back after a weekend of drinking, doing coke on a weekend and then coming home. And the first thing I would do would buy a bag of Ket. Yeah. Mm, and I would just, do that probably every day for probably, I probably did that for my whole career yeah, until re until basically a year ago. And now I haven't touched it for a full year. And I know I will never, ever, ever go back to it ever again. And like you were saying downstairs, the feeling of, I mean, you're completely sober now, right? Yeah. So yeah, the yeah. feeling of that after all the shit that we used to uh, do and partying and getting on it, the clarity and the mindset and the strength that it gives you and everything is just fucking, it's, it, it, it's better than everything. It also made me a better person, like just mo more motivated. My life's got better. And now I come home from a weekend and I f if I feel like fucking shit, I go, oh my God, I feel like shit. And I just want to sleep and rest. And now I think, how the fuck did I even do anything else when yeah. I came home? Because no wonder I've like, I've like mm. had such a bad time traveling and stuff where you don't even give yourself a moment to rest when you get home. Yeah. So No, I think it's really good that you've opened up about this because yeah, a lot absolutely. of people who have followed you and been to many of your gigs, downloaded your tunes and, you know, know you as an artist. You don't see this stuff on mm, the social media. Absolutely. I mean, in any career, like anyone who's got a, a big following will never put this sort of stuff yeah, on yeah. their socials. Why the fuck would you? You don't yeah. talk about these things. Yeah. Anxiety okay, for, and for, vulnerability. And, I mean, for me, I think it's important. You, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, right. yeah, I would yeah. always want, that's like, I knew coming here, I knew that there would be, I would, I would sp I'll speak about everything. Like, I'm an open book. 
Like I don't have anything to hide. And for me, I feel like it's an important thing because yeah. I feel like a lot of, a lot of people, I, a lot of my friends, our friends, basically, like majority of them are still going through addictions yep. and mm. attachments to all this stuff. And I've become a, a, a person to my friends where I now try and help them look out for them. And uh, like, I just feel like that's an actual a thing that I would hope for, for everybody to be able to go through stuff, but have someone there that can give you advice yeah. or help you through stuff. And I would always be open about it because so many kids are going to go into DJing, get wrapped up in the drug scene. Because when you first start taking drugs, it's like the best thing is yeah. 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 no fucking yeah. negatives to it at no. all. And, um, that's probably to do with the recovery, though, because when you're younger, when you start doing yeah, it, you can, yeah. you can. You can get up on yeah. a Monday, and it's fucking sweet. But then years but down I, the line. Yeah, and, and it almost seems like 10 years is gone, and then it takes you three or four yeah. days to get over one night. Yeah, yeah. But you've still got that same kind of, let's call it an addiction, or like mm. a routine, that habitual thing of going out doing drugs, because that's just what everyone yeah, does, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. All your mates are doing it, you don't want to feel left out. <laughs> But it massively has an effect on you when yeah, you. Yeah, I'm, 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 I think it's incredible that you've you've managed to continue like in in the career and not you know because especially with Cat, like the party scene, it's like a trigger straight away, isn't oh, it? Oh yeah, so being able to conquer that's amazing. And the thing is, you can just do that all the fucking yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've like, never been that much into. Co I like coke when I've had a drink, probably the first line and the second line. I'm fucking petrified mm. forever. Don't talk to anyone. Yeah, it's not. It's yeah. not my. It's not my yeah. thing, which yeah. I'm grateful for. Because fuck yeah, well, that was mine. That, that was that was yours. Yeah, that's, really why I got, that's why yeah. I I couldn't do music anymore because my addiction was just so bad. So wow. Um, and that's that's why hearing you say you're still able to 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 go through like in the industry. And, and leave kept behind. I think it's incredible. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I had a I had a pretty traumatic experience where supposedly I had a near death experience from Ket, yeah. and it forced me to stop. It was that traumatic to me mm. that I it was so profound because you know, fucking, I've done it for so long. You don't kale no more because you've just been doing your tolerance yeah, is so high. Yeah, yeah. But I genuinely genuinely had this really. I'm a very spiritual person, so mm. I, I'm all about energy. I've had experiences mm. with spirits and energies all through like, throughout most of my life, really. So I'm really. I'm not like a hippie spiritual person, but like in my thoughts and beliefs and how yeah, I feel and stuff. Yeah. And and I was getting to a point when I was just pushing it. I just knew I was pushing it. I was never giving myself any recovery or any rest. I'd be doing care and drugs all the time. And um, it just got to a point that I, I genuinely felt like this moment where it was almost like, and just try and imagine this. Imagine if you have your soul, whether you believe it or not, but it felt like my soul had basically said, fuck you, I'm out of here, and and tried to leave. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, I completely, I was looking at myself in the mirror, and I heard a voice basically say, I need to get out, I need to get out, I can't handle this no more, I need to get out. And it fucking scared oh. the life out of me because it was my voice, but I wasn't thinking that. And I was like, whoa, what, the, what was that? And then I realized that it was me, and then suddenly it was like, but I am me, and all of a sudden it was this feeling of complete dis uh, disconnection from myself. So I looked in the mirror and I was in such a panic, washing my hands, just trying to take my mind off it, going, okay, I'm fine, fine. Wow. I looked in the mirror and I genuinely couldn't recognize who I was, even though oh. some part of me knew that it was me, but I was like, I didn't know what me was. So I was like, oh shit, okay, I, in a total panic here. Yeah, I'm like a panic attack on my own during COVID. Um, and uh, I walked into my living room and I just genuinely couldn't recognize what the t what, what a TV was. It was like, I could see it. I knew it was this thing. A part of me was going, see TV, but th there was a voice constantly going, where am I? What is this? Like, what am I looking at? And it felt like what was happening was my soul is, was gone, I'm out. This is it. I'm fucking done with yeah. being you. I'm done with being you, basically. I'm leaving. And I was trying to pull it back by trying my hardest to remember everything about me. Mm. Couldn't even remember what my mum looked like. It took me so long of thinking about it. I was up for hours, and, uh, and this was so profound mm. that I was like, 
I'm not touching it ever again. So I stopped from that so point. Give me, give me chills. That as well. Yeah, yeah. It's, it was fucking. It's like that was supposed to happen, though. Do you know oh, what I mean? hundred percent. Hundred percent. And 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 do you know what the maddest thing is? I fucking asked for that to happen when I got put in a quarantine hotel during COVID, and I flew back from a red zone. They fucking threw me in that prison for ten days. Oh really? Did you? And I was in there, and I and I I remember because because I am a spiritual person, like you know, I always like feel like I'm talking to my guides and stuff like that. And I know it might sound stupid, that's just how I am. And Not um, at all. and I was like. I just asked, I said, please, can you just do something to get me off this fucking drug? I don't care what it is. Just don't, I don't want to be in pain. I don't want to be hurt. Just if there's anything that you can do to fucking make me get out of this. And I'm not even joking. That happened afterwards. I wasn't in pain or anything and it stopped me. So I'm so grateful for it because genuinely felt like, how am I going to get out of it? And because all my mates still do it mostly. Some friends don't. Um, I was like, well, how the fuck do I meet my friends and hang out? Now I've been with my friends all the time. They're doing it and I literally don't have any temptation at all so wow. yeah so it's like a massive massive improvement and uh yeah grateful for all of it really well done, that, that's very similar it's kind of a reoccurring theme and you were the same if you don't mind me saying that you both hit rock it was like a rock bottom yeah, moment, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. yeah because you had a profound rock bottom moment yeah, where you ended yeah. up in hospital yeah, and yeah. all that stuff yeah and that, that profound was experience mine. was yeah, a rock yeah. bottom yeah. moment and that was the catalyst for both of you to say mm. enough is enough. enough yeah and I think that that's majority of what people must must reach to really yeah, realise yeah. the issue I, yeah. And, and yeah and you have a choice at that point you yeah. can fucking continue it yeah. which you're gonna probably lose your life or something yeah. bad's gonna happen yeah. or you make the better choice well because how many times did you because for me I used to say all the time oh I'm gonna quit I'm gonna quit oh I'm yeah, tomorrow, yeah tomorrow. tomorrow I never really wanted it enough until that moment moment happened i was like right okay i'm gonna quit yeah yeah, yeah yeah and, and and the mad thing is now like i never used to i've smoked when i was younger yeah yeah i smoked 26 a day when i was like i don't know 20 or something mm. i got a chest infection it caused me to stop thank mm. fuck because smoking's horrendous <laughs> but rough. last year when i went to lake tahoe uh my best friend gashi jay yeah, kermis yeah, yeah, yeah. who's also doing amazing he's been sober for three years completely Whoa, that's and incredible he, and he was like the probably the most wildest person on on drugs ever he's been sober for three years and he's the only reason why i took him there with me so i had a sober friend he's my only sober proper mate so anyway he smokes vapes so i was there Ah. and i was like i went three weeks without even thinking about it and on the last fucking week i was like what is the point with all this shit let's try it had it and because I'm a fucking just love anything that gets me fucked up i was like (laughs) i got a nicotine rush hated it but then gave it back to me i was like <laughs> I have a little bit more, <laughs> and I, I end up buying them, and I've not, I've not stopped since. I've got a vape in my pocket, okay. and so, so for me, but I realize that this, I feel like in myself, this is my last challenge of this is my last vice yeah, so yeah. i feel like that's once i'm done with that i don't feel like the, anything else could come into my life because i've done everything yeah. and nothing's really been anything close to me apart from ket and now of doing this all the fucking time but yeah i'm glad it's just this and it's yeah. not fucking ket but i think it's good to have like you know <clears throat> you've got to take it one step at a time at the yeah end of course and I yeah think, you know coming off such a powerful drug like cat it's it, there is still quite a you know, a gap there, isn't there? So yeah. being able to fill that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it felt like that. It felt, yeah. It's kind of filled that bit filled, for a yeah, moment yeah. until I forgot about it. And yeah. now it's like, I genuinely don't care. Yeah, so. it's amazing. So yeah, sick. The, the, the thing that I, I'm surprised by, not surprised by, but obviously because I know you, is being, being still wrapped up in that career that you've got with 12, 14 shows a month. For, so the hardest thing for me was getting to a gig and being in that environment where... You're the party guy. You're ja- I'm Jackie, right? And someone's going to pass me a, a shot of tequila or the bottle of Patron and someone's going to give me a key and like, you're going to be that guy. 
I could never resist that. Yeah. So how hard do you find it going into that environment, getting in the booth, and then there you are, and everyone's got their hands up, and then that that for me was I was almost you know like people call bit drink like a gateway. Yeah, Everything's yeah. a trigger in that. That's a trigger. Everything for was for yeah. me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So how do you handle how do you handle that now that yeah. you kind of took that um, step back? I mean, I, is it I, just I, a complete mindset change? Or are you consciously going? I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this. Or is it like very natural? For yeah, you and, now? and are people supporting you as well? That's yeah, what I want to know. Yeah. Like, pe- especially the big people in the industry. No names, but like, are people supporting your sobriety with you know ketamine now as well? Um, I don't think. I don't think I was close enough to many of them for them to realize anything. Okay, uh, okay yeah, uh, yeah. You, you just see each other all the time in parties and stuff. Yeah. I was, I never used to do Ket Out. I was more okay. on my own doing uh, okay, it. So I wouldn't okay. do it in social situations because okay, okay. I couldn't be asked to talk. <laughs> and, I, and I like, you know, being a sociable person. Yeah, I think yeah. because of my social anxiety, I just put extra effort in being sociable. Yeah, yeah. So Ket would make me feel back to being probably that introverted. And so I didn't like it amongst people. I was just like that on my own. Okay. Um, but like, you know, all my friends fully support it. Like everyone's like, you know, I've, even a lot of my friends, it's given my friends a lot of like motivation to sort of work on themselves sometimes yeah, when I talk about it. And we are, and I'm really, really there for my friends. I call them all the time, especially some of them that are going through stuff and like do my best to help them out. So we've all got support around each other. But for me, it's more like I struggle still in the club situation because I, I go to every single club night and party that I play at with the idea I'm not doing anything at all, always. Mm. Sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. Um, but for me, just as long as I kind of, it's stupid, but I kind of see it as more of like, it's not a medication, but it's like you're self-medicating because I have anxiety, so I'll have a shot or two. Mm. I mean, sometimes I'll end up fucking drinking half a bottle a night. Yeah. You just sometimes just Too go easy. for it. Because as soon as you kind of like, as soon as you open that door, yeah, it's very hard it. to stop it. Yeah, course, so yeah. two shots is fine. But because I actually, I like to play, I always ask to play longer than two hours. So three hours is like my average set time. A lot of places let you play longer. So I used to just do loads of coke. I used to ask for it before I used to show up to the club and get it in the club or mm. they'd come drop it at your hotel. And then I'd still, because I don't do much of it because it makes me terrified. But <laughs> fucking, I'll go back to my hotel yeah. and do it in the hotel room. Now that's completely, I don't do that at all. That's completely changed. I'll only do it in a club when I feel like I need a bit of a bump and just yeah, keep yeah, going. Yeah. So, but I still struggle with it. It's not like a thing that I'm co- completely past. It's still a thing that I'm really challenged by. That's what I wanted to kind of touch yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. So some people think, might listen to that conversation that you've just kind of reeled off about the journey from and having that experience to now and think, oh, he's cured. But it's yeah, not the it's case. Not. <laughs> Every time, if, if you've got any addiction or you've mm. been in that scene for 10 whatever years, you go in that situation in a club and those triggers come back immediately. Oh, yeah. So it's an ongoing battle. Straight away. Yeah, of course. Straight away. And if uh, and uh, the worst thing for me is if I play somewhere and the crowd aren't that responsive because yeah. then I start yeah. getting fucked. Yeah. I need to change my music up and figure out something else. Well, that's the anxiety. Then I'm like, right, give me a fucking shot. Yeah. Because as soon as I'm like a little bit drunk, I, I genuinely will just play whatever I want to play. Yeah. Yeah. And it always works. Yeah. I think it works all the time anyway. You get in your head and think, fuck, like they, they didn't react to that when I think they should have because last party they went mental for that. Yeah. yeah so yeah. I need to change things up and then you go right shots and I only ever do coke if I've had enough to drink where I'm like I need a bump so they're not issues for me it is an issue as a whole because I would prefer to do I still want to enjoy myself here and there still want to pick and choose my battles of course Um, I'm not someone that, that I feel like I'm totally ready to be completely teetotal where I don't do anything ever again because I still enjoy certain moments of it but like now um, yeah I feel like I could 
it's just I feel like playing these shows and going there and being totally sober would be the best thing for me. But it's it's just so it's difficult. Difficult. I know that. So, it's that so was the point. Easier said though. That, Absolutely, man. There's like layers to it. It's yeah, like yeah, yeah. I've got rid of the main issue, which yeah. is Ket. Yeah. Um, yeah. Smoke vapes, but it's not like that bad, really. Um, I mean, and it's, it's you it's know a journey as well, isn't it? Yeah, and uh, you know, drinking and stuff for me, I'm still happy to do that here and there. Yeah. But uh, there, it's it's layers. I've yeah. got rid of the main part, mm-hmm. and I'm working on myself. I'm bettering myself all the time and uh yeah it's just you know i think in time and obviously the way that i think i'm at a point now where i'm so conscious of it it's like my age as soon as i came 30 mate as soon as i reached i'm 34 as soon as i reached 30 i was like fuck me everything's just fucked (laughs) (laughs) my my body was like knackered i was struggling with everything and like the the older i'm getting and more and more just like less interested in it so well speaking about getting older i don't think it's actually to do with your age but what we mentioned before, we haven't spoke about your lugs. My ears. Your ears. Mm. So I don't know whether you actually listened to that voice note I sent you on Instagram. Did you know when I texted you last week and I said, I've sent you a, what, um, a, a voice note on Instagram right. to listen to it. Have you listened to it? I don't it? think I did. You right. sent me voice notes. On, we're talking on WhatsApp. 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 Yeah, WhatsApp. Um, but two. no, but I sent you a voice note because right. I was just boarding my plane to go from Amsterdam from ADE, <laughs> which you weren't at. And I saw this you at the camera, looking at the camera, and it said, ears update. And now I know I've, I've been kind of keeping in check with this ongoing problem with your ears. And I was just about to get in the plane and I was I was going under because he put update ears or whatever it was in capitals. And I was like, oh, it's fucking bad news. I can't listen to this now. I was really worried about you because obviously you're a friend and I know how important your ears are as a musician. So I got off the plane, I was waiting for my suitcase and then I, I listened to it and it was like fucking two minutes of like all these bad things which you can go on about. But at the end, it's actually like relatively good news, right? It's actually been better news I than you know, expected. I would say it's all been, all been really good news, but it was like disguised as this yeah, fucking for awful ages. situation. So do you want to just tell us what happened there? Yeah, like- so I mean, I've been blasting my ears for fucking 15 years and I always would make music in my headphones I used, that's what I used to do. I used to have it redlining because I wanted it redlining, so it was just super fucking loud. It was bizarre why I did that. <laughs> on unable to turn, it would just have to be in red, so yeah. it was that fucking loud. By the way, anyone listening here who's a producer who listens, who <laughs> makes music at all, headphones or anything, listen to this because it's really important. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> it like, really I, is I important. Want everyone to know. Listen to this. <laughs> I want everyone to know that like you do not want to do what I did. <laughs> um, yeah, so like. I used to make music in headphones from the age of 16 pretty much to, well, probably about three years, two, actually about a year ago. I used to make headphone, music in my headphones, got my own studio at my house, but when I'm traveling and stuff, especially headphones on all the time. Yeah. My ears have been knackered. Well, my ears have been great, I felt like. Up to about four or five years ago, I went to Burning Man, and uh, I always would have the volume too loud, though. That's something to add to it. I always would have things too loud. Everyone's in the booth, always, you mean? Yeah, everyone yeah, yeah, always yeah. said that like, I had it too loud. Now I realize probably why. And did you ever wear um, ACSs or anything like that? For your earplugs? Earplugs. So when you were playing. I got them when I was younger, when I first started playing for Paradise. Bought them, went and, went and got them whole, the whole mold, molded and yeah. like 150 quid or something, which probably was expensive back then. I was just like, God, I've got these earplugs. And then I put them in my ears and I literally put them in for about two minutes. I went, fuck that. And just threw them back in my bag. And I was like, I can't DJ with them because it took out all the fun of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just like... Um, someone said to me, it's basically like having sex with a condom on for the rest of your life. It's like you just like having three on, you're cutting out all the pleasure of it, <laughs> yeah, which yeah, for yeah. your own safety, yeah, yeah. Now, that's the best way to put it, yeah. It, it is, is a really good way of, <laughs> yeah. Playing. And I was yeah. just like, nah, I'm not fucking doing that. And uh, I basically just spent the whole time DJing about them, which now I regret, mm. but 
I've just had some really scary news because uh, I went to Burning Man. After Burning Man, I came out of Burning Man. We're driving back from Nevada to LA. And you know, like when you're driving or flying and you go for altitude and your ear pops. Mm. Well, I had that whilst I was asleep, but instead of it popping, it felt like my whole head fucking just exploded. Uh, and I genuinely, genuinely thought I had like a brain hemorrhage because it wasn't like, oh, I've got a bit of a headache. It felt like my whole head was like about to like explode or something. There was so much pressure. Went straight to hospital. They looked at my ears and they told me that um, both of my eardrums were about to rupture. So they gave me these. Uh, scary, man. They gave me this steroid injection in my arm, and basically what they said, I must have had a sinus infection, probably burning man and doing everything there. But the sinus infection from the pressure of the altitude change and making your ears pop, and because I was asleep to not actually um, equalize or whatever, yeah, yeah. This, the sinus infection burst to your eardrums and caused an instant ear infection in both ears, which nearly ruptured your eardrums. So uh, I basically experienced about four weeks going deaf. Uh, my hearing went so bad because it was so inflamed with infection and everything. Terrifying. Uh, ended up getting all medication sorted after four weeks of being in this hotel room, like scared as fuck. All that, my lifeline was hearing the traffic outside. As long as I could hear that, I was like, oh, at least I can still hear because my hearing just started getting fuck. like this. And I was like, oh my God. I would go back to the doctors every night in a panic. My ears, my ears eventually told me, you're not taking enough ibuprofen. You need to take higher dosages to bring all the inflammation down, mm. which I did, which caused me the last two or three years of agony with gastritis, which yeah, just got sorted, yeah, yeah. caused by all the uh, yeah. anti-inflammatory tablets that I was taking. So it fucked me right up. This was the worst thing I've probably ever gone through, but um, which is totally gone now. And it took a week to go to like get rid of. And I spent two years just dealing with it, thinking oh it was anxiety. And it wasn't. But anyway, so... Um, because of this ear infection, they I've spent the last four or five years with just my hearing declining over time and not really understanding why. I just think it's because of the music. So just maybe six weeks ago, I was making music. I dragged a sample into the into uh, the track I was making, but the audio on it was super high and I didn't realize and my speakers just sounded like when I played it, just it gave me a proper jump scare, but it was so loud and my speakers went Pfft. And I was like, oh, fuck my ears. And they were already bad at that point. And then all of a sudden this loud, just like, it sounded like a vacuum like, came into both ears with all the ringing and everything, but super loud and all this pressure. And I was like, shit, I've absolutely fucked my ears. So I went to doctors. They told me I had acoustic shock, which is where a volume over a certain decibel gives you a, it gives you a shock, basically. It's so loud. And, um, yeah, so I basically went to doctors. They gave me all this information. They gave me uh, hearing tests. And my results showed that I was at minus 34 decibel in my hearing, which is minus 35 is classed as a disability because you can't understand oh, speech. So they were telling me, like, do you have to lip read? I was like, not at all. And they're like, well, that's weird. Uh, so they were like, you're minus 34. You're so close to being considered, like, disabled, which I fucking love. <laughs> 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 but, um, but then they told me that my results, the charts and the, the stuff that, I, the, sorry, the test results showed that the damage to my ears wasn't actually from loud music. So that got me really worried because I was like, well, then what? And obviously, we all know what's happened to Michael Beebe recently. Yeah, yeah, course, he went yeah, through yeah. the same thing and found out, unfortunately for him, that it was, you know, fucking really serious, which I can't imagine going through. But I had a moment of of like, oh, shit, here we go. Mm -hmm. And um, and then he told me that, like, that it could be to do with that. But he also told me it could be like a disease, degenerative disorder, could be family genetics. Loads of stuff. Loads yeah. of fucking scary, scary yeah, yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. But the one thing I was holding on to is like, it might be, and he said he thinks it's this because he's 
it's a common thing. The ear infections have left, but they've actually caused a blockage of fluid in your inner ear, which causes your eardrum to not vibrate. So your eardrum should be obviously vibrating with sound because there's so much fluid, it push, it actually puts pressure on your eardrum. So it doesn't actually vibrate, so you're actually hearing way less sound. And I was like, please let it be that. I went for MRI scans. They scanned my brain and everything. I was like, and, they, and then I went back and had another test. They scanned, did all these electrodes and put these things in my ear, which is actually one of the most painful things I went through. Um, turns out my brain's totally fine, which... Which I was like, Results? well, yes, it's not, it, but it's, it it's is. not at all, <laughs> but it is. But it's good news because yeah. it wasn't any of that fucking serious None stuff, of which that, I was it, over the moon about. It was just a fluid. So um, I've been on this medication for six weeks, steroids and all these different uh, tablets that I've been taking. Big steroids. You can I'm massive, massive train four times a week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Solid. But, um, but my hearing's now so loud and so much more clarity, like sounds have clarity to it. And now I could reflect back and go, fuck me, it sounded like I was underwater before. Mm. So now, it's so clear and also when I go outside in the traffic I love it because <laughs> it, I can hear it so so loud that it makes me feel like my hearing I mean my hearing is just so much better so I went for a test yesterday did all my uh, tests again mm. to compare and I've gained five decibels more already Amazing. in four wow. weeks he said that the fact that I'm already gaining that much volume in four weeks shows that in the, it, I've got another two months mm. at the end of two months he said you might have 10 more Mm. Um, and yeah, my MRI scan was good. So basically everything's great. I'm getting my hearing back. I've got clarity on everything. So right now I'm literally feeling the best ever with my ears. Amazing. I just had to take off six weeks of playing because it was just too much of a risk to, yeah, yeah, to yeah. go and play. But Well, what a great way to end on such a good note. Especially, that's, that's what I was saying. The voice note I sent you was me saying how fucking happy I was because I watched this video for three, two minutes going, I'm, this is awful news. Yeah. And then it wasn't. So fucking yeah, it's buzzing. Yeah, all good news. Yeah. Um, well, so. be, be, before we finish, have you got anything to uh, plug? You, you said you're doing your parties down the road. You, is, is that soon? Is that going to no, be? Um, so what a nature event? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so nature. Um, you don't have to tell us yet. if you. If it's no, so we haven't place. got a date planned because basically something that I can't, uh, it's something that I don't know what's going to happen yet, but the scale that I'm going to, not on the size of the club, but I, the production that I'm getting designed and I'm creating for the club is like, I mean, I haven't seen anything like it before. So we're putting a lot of time into getting right. it right. We'll keep it. Um, keep it keep it's it basically going to just be like a whole immersive experience that you won't hopefully recognize that you're in a club. So, um, wicked. Well, we look so we're to working that. on that. That's going to be hopefully something next year that we'll do. Um, yeah, I mean, nature's going great. I, I've You're got back loads of soon. music that, I mean, I haven't been able to make music recently for the last mm. few weeks, but I've got a load of music already made, thankfully, and I'm working on new stuff like going ahead. Uh, for next year, I've got my own release, quite on nature. Um, I'm trying to do some releases for people like No Art, uh, Archie's, Michael Hertz, uh, EastEnders. I'm just going to try and reach out to these guys and just put some different music out. Nice. Uh, so, yeah, it's got some things planned. Wicked. Well, mate, thank you so much for, for coming on. I also want to thank you for showing vulnerability in yeah, terms of the things you yeah, we were talking yeah, about, you know, yeah. the anxiety and the, the drugs and stuff, because I feel that's really important and yeah. people don't talk about it enough. enough. Yeah, it is so, important and yeah. I think they yeah. should be talked about yeah. more. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, thank you so much, mate. And uh, yeah. yeah, nice one. Thank Cheers, everyone. Guys. Nice one. Cheers. Cheers.